for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. We are going to read uh, this morning from a chapter that we all, I think, know very well. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and uh, it's the story of Lazarus and the, the death and uh, death, yeah, the death of Lazarus. And uh, I was wondering, there's 44 verses here, but I'm going to miss out bits and pieces because I assume that just about everyone knows the story. But as we're going to cover most of what's in these 44 verses, I don't really want to miss out very much. Uh, but here we go. Now, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. <laughs> this makes me laugh every time I read it. He stayed two more days. <laughs> when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. That's what you do, isn't it? In the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, this is two days later, remember, Lazarus's sickness is, is not unto death and so forth. So they're saying, uh, Rabbi, lately the, jo- the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Basically, I'm not really speaking on this, but basically, you want to know what that means because it can mean, what does that mean? Basically, Jesus is saying, It's still time for me to do the work that I'm going to do. And nothing is going to interrupt that work. That's basically what he's saying there. Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, you'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Then Thomas, <laughs> who is called the twin, if you really read the Bible, you can really smile, you know, because just listen to Thomas, doubting Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. <laughs> Sorry, it's just me, huh? See, I actually read the, I read the scripture. I don't just sort of just, uh, just so sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. So when Jesus came, he found out he had already been in the tomb four days, technically dead, okay? Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was still sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will 
give you. Then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God who's come into the world. And then there's a story there about getting her sister and so forth. And then uh, when Mary came, verse 32, (laughs) I'm looking at Richard like it's his fault, it's not. (laughs) Have to blame somebody, don't I? (laughs) Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, same thing again, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Then Jesus said, they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Famous verse. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone, <coughs> excuse me, from the place, the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He says, well, he named Lazarus. Otherwise, the whole place would have come forth. Everyone who was dead. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Just picture, that's another funny scene. Just picture that. He who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. I always think of the people facing Lazarus. (laughs) As he comes out bound. Can you imagine their faces? Just picture that in your mind. Just picture their faces when they see this miracle happening. And it's like, and he comes forth all bound and everything. And God will bless uh, the reading of his word. I've called this morning Living in the Gap. Living in the Gap. This is a well known story. It's a life and death story. As we can see, it's a miraculous story. There's so much in the story that we could concentrate on. The death of a loved one, a friend, the misunderstanding, the doubt, the intrigue, the fear, the premature uh, mourning, Jesus crying. That's famous 
verse that we all know that people misuse, uh, which cuts me as a Christian when they use that verse. Uh, What makes you cry reveals what's important to you. What makes you cry makes you, uh, releases who you, what you believe and and, uh, what you see as being precious. There's all sorts of truths in these 44 verses that we could have looked at, but I want to look at uh, the gap, what I've called the gap. The gap between the request and the answer. The gap between Jesus being asked to come and his arrival. The gap between being confident and being in doubt. The gap between being in faith and believing. The gap between living and thriving. Really, we we all live in the gap of some way, in some way or another, we're living in a gap. As soon as you pray something, you start to live in a gap. As soon as you go for an interview and you're waiting for the result of the interview, you go, you're in a gap. As soon as you ask the girl or the boy, if that matter, to marry you, there's that split second, or maybe it's longer, (laughs) maybe it's days, maybe it's weeks, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, There's a gap. Ask any question at all of anyone, and for that minute or second, there's a gap. The gap between here and there, the gap between Egypt and the promised land, the gap between your dream and the dream coming to fruition, the gap between Joseph being in the pit and Joseph being in the palace, the gap for the father between the prodigal leaving and the prodigal returning. All of those things are a gap. The gap between Jesus being caught up in the clouds and then the gap between him saying, I will return again. A 2,000 year gap. And as human beings, we are living in the gap between your birth and your death. Sometimes that comes as a shock to people because in the UK, we don't talk about death. It's the big no-no. You know, Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. And in the Middle East, they talk about death a lot more. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But in the UK, we tend to <clears throat> excuse me, avoid it. This morning, I want to use some positives and some negatives uh, in this story, some attitudes that we can teach us how to thrive in the gap that you're in right now. Because in this story, we have people experiencing significant gaps. And some of these gaps we experience as well. So what's, let's see where the gaps are. First gap. Uh, and really, we could spend a Sunday on each one of these. And I'm really doing the passage a disservice by, by uh, jumping across it as quickly as we are today. But uh, we'll do it anyway. And uh, if needs be, we'll, we'll spend a Sunday in each one of these gaps. The first gap, remember Lazarus started off sick. Lazarus, who Jesus loved, was sick. Lazarus, who Jesus loved, was sick. Bad things happen to good people. Just store that at the back of your mind. Bad things happen to good people. Lazarus was loved by Jesus and he was sick. Never see sickness as God not being happy with you, (laughs) or that you've failed in some way. God wants you well. 
underlined 20 times. God wants you well. God wants you healed. Remember the verse, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay? So the first gap is the gap between what you believe and what you experience. And maybe you've never heard teaching like this in church, and I think often pastors avoid these things, and, but foolhardy as I am, here we go. The gap between what you believe and what you experience. And if you tell me that what you believe is what you experience 100%, I don't believe you, frankly. I don't believe you. The gap between what you believe and what you <clears throat> experience. I should be well. I shouldn't be sick. God wants me well. God is my healer. And that's my belief system. But maybe it's not your current experience. Sometimes there's a gap. There was a gap between Lazarus being sick, being dead in fact, and Lazarus coming good and being well and alive. We think to ourselves, I shouldn't be ill, I shouldn't be depressed, I shouldn't be out of a job, I shouldn't have sinned, I shouldn't have let them down. The gap between what we believe and what we do, that's a gap. And if you, if you say there's no gap there, let me follow you around for 24 hours and uh, see how we go. The gap between what we believe and what we do, or the gap between what we believe and what we see happen, or how, the gap between what we believe and how we feel even. That's the first gap, and we'll deal with all the gaps at the end. So that's the first gap. Second gap, praying for the sick and they're not healed. Who's prayed for the sick? Okay, many of us. Who has seen 100% healed? 100%. 100%. Maybe, maybe 99, yeah. <laughs> Who's seen 100%? 100%. Jesus went to Nazareth and he said, I've got a problem in Nazareth, my hometown. There's no belief. I can't heal. One or two. You understand? Sometimes there's a gap between what I believe and what I see. So praying, second gap, praying for the sick and they're not healed. What do you do with that gap when you pray for people? Do you ignore it? Let's move on. Do you decide that God doesn't heal? Oh, that's it. That's, we don't pray for the sick because that's New Testament. It stopped in Revelation. It stopped there. It stopped in the epistles. stopped in the new church. That was just for the day. Or do we pretend, well, we aren't sick at all? I'm healed. Sniffle, sniffle. <laughs> I'm healed. <laughs> you understand? No, you've still got a sore leg with the looks of things, you know. Uh, so do we pretend we're not sick? Do we decide that God doesn't heal? Do we decide, well, I'm not going to pray for the sick because this is just dangerous. But every time you pray for the sick, you're doing what the sisters did. You're sending for Jesus. That's what you're doing. Because you can't heal and I can't heal. You might have the gift of healing, but it's a gift. The healing comes from God. And every time you pray for the sick... You're saying, Jesus, 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 come. But what happens when nothing happens? 
In the story of Lazarus, the messengers came with the instructions to tell Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. You love him and he's sick. And Jesus says, yeah. And he doesn't react at all. Doesn't move an inch. Doesn't seem to be bothered. Stays at mile. Let's stay an extra two days then if he's sick. Can you imagine the messenger's reaction? Like Mary and Martha said, go and, get the, go and get the master. He's got the answers. He'll solve this problem. Go and get him. And they turned up, Jesus, the one you love, sick. Jesus is not moving. Nothing's happening. And so, whether they went back or whatever, or they, he just doesn't arrive, Mary and Martha are thinking, does Jesus love us? Does he, does he really love us? If he loved us, Mary, I think if he loved us, he would come. Martha, I think, I think what his actions are are telling us something. Does he love Lazarus? Will he come at all? And if he comes, is it going to be too late? Just pick up the tension in the text. Pick up the story. The gap that exists when you pray for someone and you see nothing happen. That's the second gap. Third gap. Misunderstanding what God is saying when he does speak. When God, this is often, God has said to me, and then you think, yeah, but what did God actually mean when he said that to you? So step forward, the disciples, step forward us, because I think we're great experts in this, in misunderstanding what God is saying. Jesus said, this sickness, disciples, that Lazarus has got is not unto death. Right. Good. Disciples thought, great. He's ill, but Jesus says it doesn't mean death, so everything's okay. That's why we're staying where we are. That's what they thought. Then Jesus said, well, let's go to Judea. He didn't say, let's go to Lazarus. He says, let's go to Judea. And they thought, we do not want to go to Judea. Because Judea means death for us all, all of us. They weren't worried about the death of Lazarus or the potential death of Lazarus. They were worried about their own death. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going to go there? You go there, Jesus, and you will die. Not that they were worried about Jesus. You read verse 16. Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let us all go that we, <laughs> let's cut to the chase. I'm not so worried about you, Jesus. You can look after yourself. But we may die with him. And the disciples were misunderstanding what Jesus was doing. Be careful what you pronounce that God is doing. Really. Be a little careful when you pronounce God is doing this and God is doing that. Because frankly, like the disciples, like many other people, we sometimes get it wrong. We misinterpret the gap. We misunderstand the gap. And we get it wrong in the gap. And that's what the disciples did. That's what Martha did when Jesus came and said to her, Lazarus will rise again. She totally misunderstood what Jesus was saying. So if she can misunderstand who Jesus was saying and he's physically in front of her, I guess we can too. 
And she misunderstood. And she says, I know, I know that. I know, I know, I know. I know that you'll rise again the resurrection the last day. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he believes in me, though he may die, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Of course, when he said that, people, then when Lazarus was risen from the dead, the rumor went round, this guy's never going to die. Misunderstanding what God is saying. Though Lazarus may die, Martha, but he will live. And that's the supernatural promise that's over your life and my life. Though you may die, you, Christian, will live. You will live for eternity. That's the supernatural promise for us Christians. I mean, I've seen my mother die. I've seen my father die. I've seen my brother-in-law die. In fact, my niece, who's arriving today with our entourage, entourage being her husband and five kids, um, uh, she's up in Scotland at the moment. She went to visit my mother and father's grave yesterday, and she's phoning me up saying, how do I get whereabouts in the graveyard, is it? You ever tried to... Sp- <laughs> You have to try, try to tell somebody where a gravestone is in a huge, huge cemetery. And then she says, pin it, pin it on, the, on the, the Google Maps, which I'd never done before, but now I can say I have. But anyway, they sent me a picture of this uh, tombstone. And it's always very uh, interesting looking at that tombstone. And the reason it's interesting, my mother and father lie there, obviously, but it's, what's interesting is my name's there because my father had my name. And it's always a reminder to me that this life is temporary. However good a doctor you've got, it's temporary. (laughs) It's temporary. We're here for a season. That we do die physically, but spiritually, all of those people are still alive and enjoying eternity. I think one of the reasons Jesus wept was he knew that another time Lazarus was going to die for good. And have to go through the whole thing again. We die physically, but spiritually they're alive. Spiritually they're enjoying eternal life. Spiritually they're doing what we were doing this morning. Praising and rejoicing and worshipping God. And so when we decide to praise and worship on a Sunday morning, we don't start from from a zero base. We just join in with what's happening up there. So they're alive. And because Jesus rose from the dead, what's interesting was the songs that were picked, I did not pick this morning, but they were talking over and over again. Death could not hold you. The veil, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The plays of your glory, for you are raised to life again. And what's true of Jesus is now true of you. On a green hill far away without a city wall where our dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. We really should have a smile on your face. You really, you really should have a smile on your face. It's the best insurance policy that you'll ever sign up for and you haven't paid a penny for it. Don't ever misunderstand what death is. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of your eternal life. So, that's the third gap. Fourth gap, learning the gap between one day and two day. Learning to thrive instead of strive. 
learning the gap between one day and two day. Do you believe Martha? She said, I'll know he will rise one day. Let me ask you a question. Are you a one-day believer or are you a two-day believer? I'll get that job one day. I'll get that promotion one day. I'll get that girl one day. I'll get that house one day. I'll start saving one day. I'll, start, I'll tidy up the house one day. I'll read that book one day. I'll pray one day. I'll worship one day. My ship will come in one day. That's a, that's a theology. It's called procrastination. Put it forward to the future. It'll happen one day. But I don't believe in one day. I believe in two day. And there's a gap between two day and one day. And I prefer the theology of one day. So when I pray for the sick, I pray for day one, not one day. Let that be a hint to you. Don't say, Lord, it's in, in, your, in your plan. One day, one day, they'll, one day they'll get well. One day, one day. No, two day. So when you pray, you pray for two day, not one day. I prefer a day one attitude. I do it now attitude. What's, what's the attitude you go through this week? Is it going to be a one day? Uh, we'll do the garden one day. Okay. <laughs> Susan knows what I mean by this. We'll get some plants one day. Susan is a two-day, let me tell you. She is a two-day, much to my discomfort sometimes and, and to the discomfort of the bank manager. It's two-day, not one-day. And that's the gap Martha showed because she had a one-day attitude. One day you'll rise again. One day, one day, one day, one day. Jesus is not two-day. He's going to rise two-day. I am the resurrection today. I am here today. So roll the stone away, guys. Today. Not one day. Today. I think the rolling of the stone was a big thing in their minds. Because this was a big step of faith. And maybe you have some steps of faith to to go for. Maybe you have some stones to roll away. Let the stench come out. The stone of unbelief needs to be rolled away. The stone of uncertainty, roll away. The stone of fear, what, what will I do? What will they say? You need to roll that stone away. The stone of procrastination, which irritates me. <laughs> you too. I'm glad I've got one. You need to roll that stone away. Procrastination is like a curse to a person, not just Christians. It's like a curse. It really is. Things that you put off. Anyway, don't get me started with that. Uh, (laughs) Don't have a one-day faith. Have a two-day faith. God wants to bless me today. God wants to be with me today. And uh, even if it doesn't happen on day one, it will happen one day. But you start today. It will come one day. He will rise again one day. You will be healed one day. But you start praying and you start praising and you start confessing today. Because God has promised you. Even if somebody's on their deathbed, their latter days will be greater than their former days. Even they're literally dying. They're going where all of us will go. And so they will be ahead of us 
and blessed. Fifth gap, the gap between our belief and God's reality. The gap between what you believe and what God's reality actually is. Mary believed that if Jesus was in the house, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. If if she could get Jesus in the house, everything's okay. And to be fair to to Mary, that's better than most Christians. Because sometimes they don't even believe that. She, she believed, and Martha, if we can get him here, everything's going to be okay. But it really didn't matter whether Jesus, wherever Jesus was, whether he was here or there or anywhere or on the road, him being physically there did not mean that Lazarus could be healed or couldn't be healed. Just read the story of the centurion. He said to Jesus, my servant lies ill. Jesus says, shall I come and heal him? He says, you don't need to come. Just say the command and it's done. And Jesus says, I've never seen such faith as this. And often we put a limit on God's ability to heal. Oh, he can do that. He can, he, he can heal a cold, but he can't heal cancer. He, do you understand? We put a limit. He can do that if he's in the house, if we're in a church and there's some good worship and there's some good prayer and there's anointing and everything else, then Jesus can do something. Jesus can operate anywhere. doesn't matter whether he's there or not. We put a limit on God's ability to heal because there's a limit limit to our belief of what God wants to do. And that's the gap between what you believe and God's reality. And that's a big gap sometimes. Our our reality is God can do some things. God can give me five pounds, but he can't give me 50,000 pounds. Why? Why? He can do all things. And we need to try to address that gap, whatever it is in your life, whatever you're reaching for, you need to address that gap, what you believe and what you receive. And the way we do that is to get a proper picture of who who your God actually is and what he can do. He's known as Jehovah Rophi. Jehovah Rophi means God is our healer, okay? God is our healer. I've emphasized the word is because some Christians believe was. But you see, if you believe he did heal, then that Jehovah Rophi becomes God was our healer, but he no longer is. But that's not what Jehovah Rophi means. It means God is our healer. So five gaps. The gap between our belief and our experience. Second gap, praying and nothing seemingly happens. Third gap, misunderstanding God's words, what he actually is saying. And then the gap between one day and two day. And then the fifth gap, the gap between our belief and God's reality. So how do we bridge those gaps? And uh, I've got six L's. Uh, I'm very quickly going to go through. Number one, listen. Number one, listen. Susan says to me, are you listening, Jack? Are you you hearing me? We have to listen and be careful to what actually God is actually saying and to pay attention and follow his 
instructions for your situation because your situation is different from my situation. And his instruction to you might be different from his instruction to me. But Luke 11 verse 28 said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So number one is listen. If you want to bridge those gaps, listen. Listen to his word. Listen to his voice. Number two, learn. Listen, learn, and train yourself in the things of God. We don't just get saved. If you just get saved, you will get stuck. But we have to train ourselves. We have to learn to be proactive. Proactive in everything in life, but especially proactive in the things of God. Not reactive, but proactive. Pray when you don't need to pray. Most people pray, oh, crisis, we're going to have to pray. Pray before the crisis. Pray during the crisis. Pray after the crisis. In fact, I would always suggest you get your praise in before the crisis. Praise God for what he's going to do before he does it. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. You're going to need some faith. So, number one, listen. Number two, learn. Number three, look. Look and live. (laughs) Look out, look up, look down. Psalm 123 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? You need to look and live. You need to look to God. Look out for what's coming. Get your spiritual glasses on. The times... (laughs) Not the Financial Times, not the London Times, but the times are changing. We are living as Christians in very exciting days. You should not be petrified. You really shouldn't be petrified. You should be encouraged because these are exciting days. People are looking for answers. People are looking for what's going to happen. And you and me have the answer. So we look, we look out, we look up. We look up. Why do we look up? To know how to react to what's happening here. Jesus not moving meant Lazarus' problem was under control. In fact, everything was under control. If you read, and I'll I'll read it to you very quickly, uh, Luke chapter 2, these verses say this. If I can uh, just find them. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, which is not the right... Verses. This is interesting when that happens. See, I was going to say my assistant didn't get me the right verses, but my assistant is me. So <laughs> anyway, but in fact, everything is under control. Jesus has, and that's what I was going to quote to you, Jesus has told us what's going to happen. He said, when these times happen, look up, for the answer is coming. So look, look out, look up, look down. Because, Christian, you are actually in dominion. You are actually in power. <laughs> I, know, I know you don't feel like it, but you are actually in power. It's you and God. God has given you power. So when you speak to something, when you speak to yourself, when you speak to your husband or your wife or your children, you have some 
power, or you should have some power. You have the power of the tongue. You have power to create, power to curse, power to call down heaven. You have power. And the enemy goes around telling you, you have got no power, but you have got power. So you look down because you dominate. First thing Jesus said, or God said in the Garden of Eden is, take control. And if you don't take control in your garden, you know what happens. You get a garden like Will with weeds. <laughs> Sorry, that was cruel, and it's not true. <laughs> so we look down. Fourthly, way to deal with the gap is to leave. If you're going to thrive in the gap, you have to leave the striving behind and the stressing behind. Some of us are striving and we're stressing and we're maybe like Mary and Martha, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Look out for Jesus. Send a message to Jesus. Where is he? Where is he? He's late. He's not coming. He's dead. And we are striving and striving and striving, but striving is never thriving. God wants you to thrive. Thrive. So leave all that rubbish behind. Number five, in order to go through these gaps and, and thrive in the gap, is five, is live. Live for him because he died for you. I preached a message one time, and uh, the person who worked for us at that time said, what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, my title is, <laughs> and she, she looked at me like, whoa. I said, my title is, I died for you, when will you die for me? which is rather in your face. But when will you die for him? You know, die to your uh, will and your plans and your ego and your pride. When will you die to all of those things? Life is not all about you. It's all about him. Number five, live, last one, last L, Lord. Whether Jesus comes or he doesn't come, whether he does what you want and what you prayed for or doesn't do what you prayed for, he's still Lord. That's a big thing for some folks. My sister, when, when Ray died, after two or three years of, of serious illness and he died, there came a moment, and it wasn't long after he died, when she had to reckon and decide, is he still going to be Lord? Am I still going to believe for the sick to be healed? Am I still going to pray for the sick? Am I still going to follow Jesus? And there's a moment, almost every situation that you face, you have to decide, is he going to be, still be my Lord? Whether they walk out, or they walk away, or have no money, or have no job, or have no chance, or whatever, or I'm sick, or whatever it is, is he still going to be Lord? And that's a big decision, and only you can make it. What I love about Mary and Martha is they called him Lord. Didn't call him teacher, didn't call him friend, called him Lord. Whether he heals Lazarus or not, he's Lord. Whether he decides to take Lazarus into eternity, he's still Lord. And we need to make him Lord. Truly Lord. And whenever you're the Lord, whenever you're the master, whenever you're in control, you have the right to say no, and you have the right to say yes. If he says no, it means his way is a higher way. His no to me means God's got a better way. 
No means he trusts us to believe him. Often we see more healing with non-Christians than you do with Christians. Why is that? Because there's a number of reasons, but one major reason is God is identifying his gospel message with signs and wonders following. Following what? Following the preaching of the gospel. We all love yes prayers. Can I go there, Dad? Yes. <laughs> Can we buy it, Mom? Yes. Can we get it, Papa? Yes. We, we, we love yes. But Lord means no sometimes. It really does. Being a good parent means saying no. Can I stick my hand in the fire? And no. And a yes-only parent, we all agree, is a bad parent. A whatever-you-want parent does not help the child to mature. A do-whatever-you-want parent is not considered responsible. And a parent has to be prepared. If you're in control of children, you have to be prepared sometimes to be the bad guy, to make difficult decisions, to make decisions that are misunderstood. I wish I had five pounds for every time my children misunderstood what I was trying to achieve. Unappreciated decisions. To accept as a lord, as a master, as a parent, or as a grandparent, to, sh- to accept short-term rejection, to receive long-term acceptance and maturity. He whom God loves, he what? <laughs> he disciplines. Hebrews twelve six. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And discipline doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It means he actually loves you. The question is, do you love him more than what you're asking him for? Get me out of this, God. Whatever it takes, get me out of this. If you get me out of this, then I'll love you. If you get me out of this, I'll go to the Congo. I'll go to India. I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want. Just get me out of this. And out of this, in the vertical commas, becomes Lord. It becomes the most important thing. But when we decide, you know what, Lord, I'm going to love you more than what I'm asking you for, whatever it is, whatever the conditions, whatever the circumstances, whatever the cost. As I was preparing this, I didn't realize, as I was preparing this, I didn't realize it was exactly to the day that it was three years since Ray, our brother-in-law, died. And nobody could have believed more for healing. Nobody could have trusted him more during his illness. No, nobody could have honored God more <coughs> excuse me, in his sickness, both Nancy and Ray. And yet he died. And yet he died. Yet he died. But Ray said, and I always remember this, he says, if I die, I want you to know something. Death didn't take me. God did. All of us will die. Unless God comes back, Jesus comes back, all of us will go by the way of the grave. Whatever year you're believing for, there's a man here, not here today, he's believing to live to 125. Well, at 125, what happens? We go. The great news is we don't just go, we go home. We go home. 
Ray died, but death didn't take him. Jesus did. And so his gap was over. And he's at home. And one day, my gap will be over, your gap will be over. And everything that you have trusted in will come to pass. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, Martha and Mary, Jack and Susan, Tom and Sophie. Lean not to your own understanding, Matt and Lydia, whoever, whatever your name is, and he will. I love will. That will and I love that will. Will direct your path. He will. And that's how we thrive. That's how we go through the gap. That's how we live in the gap. Let's just pray. All things work together for my good and for your good. All things. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We know all things, say all, all, say all again, all, all, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Father, I pray that we'll stop striving to get our will done and we'll begin to thrive in the knowledge that it's all good. All of it is good when you have your way in our life. All of it. The misery, the pain, the joy, the celebration, the seasons of life, the winter, the spring, the summer, the autumn, all of it works for our good. And whatever season you're in, whatever you're blessing God for, whatever you're praying to God for, whatever you're praising for, whatever you're praying for, God says, all things are going to work for good. Whether the answer is yes or the answer is no. Whether he gives you the job or doesn't give you the job. Whether they give you the loan or don't give you the loan. All things. Whether she says yes or he says no. All things. Whether they stay with you or leave you, all things work together for good. I thank you, God, that you're an all God. You're the great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I thank you for your resurrection power. And I thank you for the life that you give each one of us. Lord, I pray for resurrection power in each one of our lives today, each one of our families, that those things that are dead, Lord, bring back to life. Those things that have died and have shrunk and receded, I pray resurrection power. Resurrection power, Lord. Where there's sickness, bring healing. Where there's poverty, bring riches. Where there's curses, bring blessings. We pray for resurrection, Lord. Resurrection in every way. In every way. That you may prosper as your soul 
prosperous. So I pray resurrection, Lord, over these people this morning, over hurt and pain and disillusionment and depression and illness and the lack of joy and depression. I pray resurrection so that they may come into fullness of life. Life in all its fullness, abundant life. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So we pray resurrection this morning as we live in the gap, Father, that often that we live in. We thank you for all that you're going to do and we pray today. Today. Not one day, today. In Jesus' lovely and precious name, amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.